I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit! Yay! I am so excited to talk to you about this episode. Me too, I'm ready to go. This is episode seven of season three, Under His Eye. <gasps> I'm surprised we've gone this long without an episode being called Under His Eye. I agree. I've been trying to figure out if there's any kind of like staff ethos <laughs> behind how they name the episodes. Ooh, maybe you can ask that on an upcoming episode. Maybe I can. But before we get into the episode, we have some housekeeping to attend to. Yeah. So as you all know, you can donate to us at Venmo.com slash Red All Over. And that helps us keep up with podcast expenses. If you donate to us there, we'll give you a shout out. Here's our shout outs for this week. Franny Kate, the best. Leah Rummel, Rummel, you're doing great today. Jessica Monroe, happy birthday, Mrs. Jessica Monroe. That was Marilyn. Get it? Rebecca Platsky. Hey, you look nice today. And whatever you're worried about, don't be worried about it. You got this. Kimberly Thomas. Choo-choo, Thomas. The tank engine. That's you. I think you're great. Danielle Tropia. Oh, I hope you're having a fantastic day today. Hey, take an eye break. Don't look at your screen too long. Cheryl Zaron. Boy, I think that you dressed so lovely today. Good on you. And a big shout out to Emma Dunsmore, who was my roommate in college <gasps> and uh, whom I love so, so much. One of the sweetest people to ever walk this earth. Thank you for donating, Emma. I am very sorry for that time I broke your coffee mug that you let me borrow. <laughs> I still feel bad about that, but much love to you and That's Micah. so amazing. My college roommates, well, my freshman year, like dorm college roommates were trash people. <laughs> they would like put an ironing board under my sheets and then take all of the snacks from on top of our fridge and put them on my bed. They were mean. As a as a prank? Yes. <laughs> no, Emma was like the sweetest, kindest roommate ever. Has the most lovely parents. Great wedding. I couldn't say nicer Amazing. things about her. Uh, I also want to give a quick shout out to Cheryl Wright and her daughter Tristan, who listened to this episode together. Tristan... I think you're great. Listen to your mom when she tells you to do stuff. And uh, thank you for your thoughts on why uh, June stayed in Gilead. Uh, Tristan thinks that she stayed behind in Gilead to help raise a rebellion of the next generation of girls. Tristan, that's a cool idea. I would like to give a shout out to Lise Hossein, who writes for CBC Arts in Toronto, Canada. And she also has a really great Art 101 explainer series of videos on YouTube. She included us in this really great article about the four podcasts that help her get through every episode of The Handmaid's Tale. We were one. She said that we were her favorite. (laughs) Thank you. I'm real for Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so Lise. great. So excited to buy you a coffee the next time I go to Toronto, Lee's. Yeah. And uh, go Warriors, even though you're a Raptors fan. <laughs> really stuck it to you, Lee's. You did us a solid and I, we couldn't I resist. Uh, the Raptors beat us in the championship. So. <laughs> All right. Shall we get started? I think so. We're covering season three, episode seven, Under His Eye. And I really love the way that this opening shot of this episode plays with our perception because we see the sort of red rope. Red rope. <laughs> red rope. <laughs> so Sort of sliding into frame and the way that it's shot we're not sure if it's on the wall i think all of us got a real noosey vibe from this i did too but i was very like i was very confused because the nooses that they'd used this is before <laughs> nooses sapooses <laughs> 
pupusas. <laughs> I could really go for a pupusa right Me now. Too. Anyway, I didn't feel like it was a noose oh. because of the noose scene in season two. Episode one, they use just regular ass rope for that. And that was a bunch of handmaids. Like if they were going to get out special red rope to hang a bunch of handmaids, I feel like that would have been the natural. They'd be like, oh, we've been waiting to use these for an all handmaid hanging. Jeez. Uh, that's what we call it. Great- all hands meeting. <laughs> but it's just death. I was also going to say, boy, that was a really great occasion for your Gilead coverall bingo game. <laughs> They're going to hang the handmaids with red rope? (laughs) It's this interesting sort of triangle configuration that all of the handmaids are using to kind of hoist first up this platform that Mm -hmm. people can stand on, on the sort of gallows, and then drop said platform. Yeah, so you can see the cogs that it operates on. So basically, it's like... It's it's on it's like it's like a water wheel but for mm-hmm. killing people. Yeah, um, a murder not, wheel. Yeah, it's a murder wheel and so it's just like it goes round and round she goes where it stops is when people die. And it's a really it's really interesting because we've seen the kind of stoning participation and the beating up participation and this is like just they just keep finding new and inventive ways for the handmaids to kill other people. It's so interesting to me. That they force them to kill people. Yeah. And I did not do any research in typical me fashion. But it's just like, you know, it's in the same way that you think about, like, you know, various regimes in history. Like, they make everybody complicit. And I don't, like, I understand the needs from, like, a psychological perspective. And then I think about it from a perspective of, like, oh, like, you know, are these people going to also be tried for like war crimes? Like, how do you make that decision? And I mean, we get into that later in the episode, too. Yeah, I definitely think that's like a framing question we should be thinking about in this episode is Gilead makes you complicit. Yeah. And how does that affect you either outside of Gilead or within it? Like, it, it's so, you know, they told us that the thing to think of last season was Gilead is within you always. And I think this is just a furthering of that same theme. I did get pissed when I realized what they were doing. Because I was like, what? These hammers out do manual labor now, too? Jesus Christ. <laughs> God. And the other thing that struck me when they bring out all of the people who are going to be executed in those muzzles. And it reminded me, though, of the oppression, Dickie. <laughs> because it's just like, it's not a far leap. But it is this thing where from like Aunt Lydia's perspective and the perspective of people who are in charge in Boston mm-hmm. and presumably other like less quote unquote strict <laughs> uh, parts of Gilead. Like your right to speech is yours until you're going to die. Basically. Anyway, maybe that's valuable. Maybe that's not valuable. Yeah. That's kind of interesting, especially in this series where we see the handmaids and, and pretty much everybody chatting a lot more than they did mm-hmm. in the book. It is marked that, when they kill your ass, uh, that's when they put... They called it a veil this episode, which oh, I thought really? was really weird. Um, I missed that for some they reason. They didn't call it an oppression dickie, like which is weird. Like a mouth veil? Yeah, it's odd. I Unless I grossly misheard, which I'm sure we'll get a lot of Facebook messages about <laughs> if I did. But um, uh, yeah, I remember later in the episode when 
Carol and June are walking around, she says something like, I notice a lot more people are wearing veils, and it is the oppression dicky, which is the thing oh. pulled up to your face. Okay. Anyway, we're thinking about the people who are getting hanged are, it looks like two Econo women and one Econo man. Just interesting. Um, Econo man sounds like a guy who would like help you clip coupons, doesn't he? Honestly, my kind of bay. My kind of bay. I love to save a dollar. So, the handmaids all pull, they heave ho, and Aunt Lydia, like, this was so creepy to me because it was so, like, reminiscent of, like, my days in the theater. She's uh, like, uh, placers! Uh, heave! <laughs> and so they heave, and everybody drops, and they die. And June just, like, takes off. Mm-hmm. She is just like, okay. Peace. She clocks out mm-hmm. on, you know, the killing time. Yeah, and we get this interesting exchange between Carol and June as they're walking away. And it's another point where June is saying something that means one thing and Carol is saying the same thing and it it means a different thing. So June is saying kind of sarcastically they got what they deserved and Carol's like, yeah, they did. I love Carol. (laughs) I fucking love her. I am team Carol. Honestly, like I'm on her side. And just a reminder, Carol is the name we're giving of matthew yes yeah. who i think we misidentified as of robert in a previous episode leave molly alone everybody she works really hard sometimes we make mistakes uh we make a lot of mistakes but uh we're fun incidentally my new tagline is his winnowing fork is merciful and necessary i was very into that i okay. meant to look up where it comes from in the bible but like i don't really care um look catholics don't give a shit about the bible we just find it when it's convenient and then we're like oh my whole worldview is supported by this that's so funny uh i also thought that was interesting and you know again here we go with gardening metaphors to talk about gilead pretty interesting so carol can't quite get through the rest of that verse because she starts cramping and it's kind of you know it's interesting because she's in her first trimester so, like, something seems like it might be up. And Carol comments on this herself. And it's just like, it's not the same this time mm-hmm. as it was before. And then June starts saying some stuff about, like, she had some thoughts mm-hmm. when she was first pregnant with Nicole. And I'm <laughs> like, I don't think, like, your experiences aren't universal, June. Like, I don't think that Carol is, like, wanting to terminate this pregnancy. Well, I think she's trying to feel her out. But I think anybody who says his winnowing fork <laughs> is merciful and necessary, like, there's a difference between, you know, picking up the, you know, under his eye, may the Lord open, blessed be the fruit, and, like, doing the extra credit for Gilead. And yeah. so, and I do appreciate, because it's like, I wasn't totally sure until this episode. I was like, is Carol a true believer? Yeah. And again, you know, Ooh, we com- get an answer. I have complained in the past about Carol seeming kind of ambiguous and starting the clock to find out, you know, how, how soon will we find out this person's in the resistance? And I don't think Carol's ever going to be part of the <laughs> no. resistance. I'm pretty stoked about this. Yeah. Thank you, Carol. Love you. Stay the course. <laughs> yeah, stay the course. Um, Avoid that winnowing fork. I got to say this whole talk about thoughts on abortion reminded me a lot of Meg Ellison's Book of Flora. If you haven't already gotten around to reading that, that's a really good book. The other thing that I was thinking about recently, we had a whole thread on the Facebook group. By the way, we always say like, find us on Facebook, but it is legit a great time. Everybody on our Facebook group, you know, is so respectful and so fun and so nice. I have just nice. so been having a blast <laughs> talking about this show on Facebook. And Which is facebook.com slash read all over. 
I have been thinking about this because we talk a lot about like people who have like, you know, the handmaid's tale, a conservative view and, you know, all of these sort of like religious right anti-abortion people who love the show. But I also think that as the show has gone on, the concept of abortion has come really out of it. In the book, I think of it as being inextricably linked because they talk about abortion doctors being hanged. Mm, and I mean, obviously, just the the book is limited. Right. And at this point, like, I'd be surprised if all of the abortion doctors haven't been hanged. So it's just like, it's not coming up. Also, since none of our POV characters are pregnant, like, right. it doesn't matter. So I think that part of it, and I think also, like... I just I keep trying to figure out why a conservative person would like this. Um, but it's like, you know, it's it's that idea of like losing your personal autonomy. Like they're all about that except for pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It is interesting. And I will say I find I just find it, you know, um, there are so many shows that I think you can enjoy without putting politics in it. And I just, I'm having such a hard time how, especially now you could watch the show without that. Even this is the fucking most ironic thing I've ever seen. Uh, I saw a advertisement for the conservatives only Facebook group. Their fucking cover picture is a, a promo pic of June. And behind her, it says something like, the it's like fu- the future is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Or something it says like the that. future is fucking terrifying. And this is a politics free handmade sale discussion group. And it's like, babes, I, wh- what did you think this means? Were, did you think they're like, Ooh, scary flying cars? Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to um, give them any more airtime than they already have. Um, I also have got to like give it up to my new Bay Carol for the line <laughs> reading on. Well, I don't have any. Oh, thoughts. I thought that was great too. Oh God, honestly, Carol, you're living my dream. If you're being honest and you really don't have any thoughts, whew, can I give my therapist your number? <laughs> I think that we could all learn a lot from you. <laughs> So the next scene comes into my favorite place, which is the grocery store, which is, I believe, called Loaves and Fishes. It is. Alternatively, All Flesh. Well, All Flesh is the butcher. Okay. So I believe those are two separate places. Okay. We still haven't been to Milk and Honey. So, and... (laughs) Or Target. (laughs) This is super, like, 2000 and late, but it occurred to me as they were walking in... And I'm seeing all of the Loaves and Fishes employees. I was like, huh, all of the workers are men because da doy. But it just, it hadn't really occurred to me you know up is- until this point. Like, oh yeah, like there would be no women in the service industry anymore. So the, I think of this way later in this episode when we're in the restaurant. But like, is that all men as well? Or do they have Martha's behind the scenes cooking the food and the waitstaff is men? Like, I think them introducing a restaurant is like what I want to talk about the most. I know. So we got to get there because I have interesting ideas. They're in the store and sort of the cadre of the bad handmaids come (laughs) to talk to uh, June. It's like when your church friend meets your like school friends like in Freaks and Geeks. (laughs) You know. Soup's awk. They try to like get Carol to go elsewhere and she genuinely lights the fuck up when they talk about fruit cocktail which i thought was hilarious it reminded me of you i also (laughs) want to talk about how much i fucking love alma because she says i'm crappy at improv (laughs) and i'm like yes i feel very seen 
<laughs> I also feel like she must have been listening to our last couple of podcasts. I mean, also, wasn't she over by the fruit cocktail? <laughs> like, isn't there a logistical component to this? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Th- and also, one episode, they keep kimchi not in the fridge. The next episode, they keep kimchi in the fridge. Also, Get your kimchi world building right. Why is right. every liquid they have fucking Sobe? <laughs> I know. I thought that. I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, Sobe got that Gilead contract. Damn. They were like, hey, you know what we hate? Women's autonomy. You know what we love? The patronage of our new government. Plus a day. We have to cut out all feminine juice brands and Sobe is the least feminine. You didn't see. They panned over. There was a whole monster energy case. No chick products here. The only deodorant is Axe body spray. Everyone wears Axe body spray and Gilead. You fucking know it to be true. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Gilead. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So just anytime you see a room full of commanders, just imagine the stench of like wet leather Axe body spray. (laughs) Okay. Also, like, I'm so with you. Like, I just want to spend a whole episode being like, what is it like at Loaves and Fishes? Like, truly, what are the politics and... Where does all the milk come from? Isn't it a pain in the ass that everything is sold in such tiny quantities? Also, I'm sorry. This is stupid of me to say, but I'm sorry. I thought there were like multiple agricultural disagreements. How is Boston getting avocados? (gasps) So (laughs) agree with you. It is hard for like the East Coast to get avocados now. Imagine if there's Gilead. I mean, I guess they did make that trade agreement with Mexico that we never talked about again, but still. Yeah, so cool how like none of the handmaids have been traded away to Mexico. Also, sidebar, I would be the handmaid that would be excellent at picking avocados because I worked at Trader Joe's for six months and the one big skill I learned was to pick the ripest, most beautiful avocados. So if you ever need any help, I got you. I actually might hit you up for that because I am from Ohio. Oh, great. I got you. (laughs) Uh, anyway, so she meets up in the grocery store with the Martha that's the Mackenzie's Martha. Yes. Ooh, do we know her name? No. I uh, feel really bad not knowing her name now, but I don't know I that it's even come don't up. don't know that it's come up. What name should we give her? Kimberly? Sure. Okay, Kimberly. <laughs> never Kim. Her name is Kimberly. Kimberly is talking to uh, June, and they have made some kind of plan to meet up here. I don't know how. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But like we get a like we can get to the substance of their conversation. But like Carol, we see Carol see them. And it's mm-hmm. like June also, you know, CC all of the other bad handmaids. Carol's not stupid. She just doesn't have any thoughts. Yeah. Like also, this is so dumb. Go to the other side of the store. It's a big store. <laughs> Oh, my God. Make Carol take you to the bathroom. Like, do something. So Kimberly and June are talking about stuff. And yeah, there's just like nothing really to to say. Uh, June keeps hounding her to let her see Hannah, which I don't get why they had to have this conversation because she already knows that she's at this school in Brookline. Yeah. So I don't know why she needed to pester Kimberly anymore. Like, it just seemed like... 
Not silly. to mention the fact we get hung up on this whole like three o'clock thing. And all Serena said was after lunch. I know. So I'm like, what? Also, they eat lunch hella late if they're having <laughs> recess at three o'clock. Yeah, it's so silly. I, I don't, the more I delve into this, like this interaction didn't need to happen except to establish that Carol is not on June's side, which I feel like we got already. Yeah, but- like there's, look, June is consistently fucking up. There is no point at which I feel like Carol's going to have a dearth of things to tattle on her. Totally. About. Just she could have told on her for several other things. I thought this was weird. And All right. I just again, I don't like the optics of this relationship where oh. this woman here we have yet another black woman getting involved with June and paying the ultimate price. Wow, that's a great point. June once again gets off scot fucking free. That's a super good point because the episode that this reminded me of was when the Econo person, the Econo family uh-huh. was the Econo man was killed for helping June yes. escape and that was also a black man. Yeah. So these are two people of color who have helped June, helped June and died. And like it's it's so interesting because it's such a nuanced conversation because on the one hand we do want more people of color yeah. in this show but just it's worth taking a second to think of the optics of like oh do we have all these black people dying to help this white woman who is going to face no consequences and i do and think it's like- that they they kind of they're doing a lot better because I noticed that in the scene with all of the wives, they mm-hmm. got an Asian wife, they got a black wife. They like- are doing better. And I feel like the thing that kind of pushed their view a little bit better is the completely mixed race family of the Winslows. Yes. Because I can completely believe that there is a world where this fertility crisis has like erased racism not like erased but like people have kind of like decided okay fine rather than like an extraterrestrial threat bringing us all together we're like oh we need babies doesn't matter where we get them we just fucking need them but they didn't do the legwork to introduce that world in season one so it feels like a little bit like too late and it's so interesting like i talk about this a lot you know this is not worth referencing necessarily because i have it in private conversations but about how brands use pride and Uh it's like on the one hand i am happy that we have progressed to the point where big entities are recognizing Uh gay people but the next step now is to have nuance in our kind of support and representation Mm -hmm. and i think we're getting to this point in tv too like it's i'm so happy you are giving black actors jobs i'm here 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 for it but now i invite you to take the next step and think of the racial nuance that comes with them always fucking dying. Exactly. Well, and I mean, particularly for a show like this, or even a show like Game of Thrones, where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I mean, people for Game of Thrones, like, historical accuracy, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it's a fucking, there's fucking dragons, dipshit. <laughs> but you can't. And not even black dragons. <laughs> One of them was. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, so sorry, Drogon. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so, like, you cannot divorce your show and like the ethos of the world in your show from the lens through which people are going to receive it mm-hmm. to pretend like it doesn't matter. Just makes you look dumb. Yeah. At this point for a show that has been pretty clear. I mean, although I mean, let's not forget this is the show when it was coming out where they were all like, 
I mean, it's not really like feminist. Like, we're just like about like equality. Yeah. And have you seen the talking points for this season? Like, yeah, we're really like pushing toward like hope and inspiration. And I'm like, what show are you all making? <laughs> because we're seven episodes in. And I like on the one hand, I feel like there have been fewer scenes of like abject cruelty and rape. But also, like, this episode ends with June trying to kill someone. And that's the other thing. It's not just that, like, Carol is here, like, fucking around. Like, June June gets a black woman killed this episode and then literally tries to kill another black woman with her bare hands. Yeah. Yeah. So just, I'd say Handmaid's Tale gets, like, a B- minus in terms of trying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway. Anyway, lovely tangent. Uh, we go next to Canada where, oh, this is a hard scene. Such a great scene. Also, motion to never have an episode where Emily's not in it again. Yeah, agreed. She's wonderful. Honestly, like, it does so much for the show. Yeah, she's, she's like, a, she's really great. So it's her being interviewed by the Swedish woman to talk about sort of the minutia of her involvement in Hikol's uh, extradition. Or the opposite of extradition, her escape from Gilead. She's sort of asking her very bluntly about her quote unquote crimes in Gilead. Mm -hmm. And she, homegirl's got a rap sheet. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like, she's asking, like, you know, did you stab your supervisor in Gilead? I'm like, who among us us has not stabbed a supervisor here and there? Come on. (laughs) And this is the same Swiss woman? Okay. Yeah, I believe so. Swiss woman gets around. Can we call her Swiss Miss? Yes, Swiss Miss. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so this is, I think, really interesting. And I'm I'm fascinated this episode. I really want to talk to a person who actually works in the field of like refugee mm-hmm. liaisons. Because I just, the thing that me, as a person who doesn't know about this field very much, keeps wanting to scream is like, Okay, I killed people because they were raping and kidnapping me. Like, uh, when when does it does my culpability stop in relation to theirs? I just want to know. I'm so confused. Um, not to keep bringing it back to Game of Thrones, but to quote the late great Cersei Lannister, <laughs> everywhere in the world they hurt little girls. Ooh, like we don't matter that much. Yeah, but I just I really want to know. So I'm gonna I'll tell you what, Reddit. I'm gonna work on. Tr- doing research on this and figuring out what their options are. Yeah, so I mean, also, like, if you know stuff about this, let us know. Yeah, please. Uh, we don't have any friends with useful skills. So... <laughs> Speak for yourself. Um, so this it, this interview is understandably triggering for both Clea and Emily. Does and- it come right after this, the scene with Clea being like, you know, I don't care what you did? Yeah. Which I loved, but also, like, even as that was happening, I was like, it's not even about, like, it's not about her being okay with it or not. It's just, like, how can Emily possibly reconcile the person that she had to be in Gilead with the person that she was before Gilead? And, like, who is she now? I think that's um, what this episode's all yeah, about, which I, I agree. love. And it just, like, God, so hard. It's a great great scene i really like it the next scene is in dc with reeser and serena joy i love reeser so much she looks amazing she does i love her i really like her too um if you love her also and you haven't watched uh the haunting of hill house i cannot i know you can't 
you're telling, you you're telling I'm telling other okay. people. I'm telling the non-scaredy okay. cats. Although it's really hard to find people who like horror movies. Really? Like, I'm out here on the fuck apps. Like, number one. <laughs> number one, trying to fuck. Number two, trying to find somebody who wants to, like, see horror movies with me. Uh. And, like, I'll watch a horror movie alone. I watched Hereditary alone in my house. Had trouble sleeping for three days. Jeez. But I did it. Cannot. But it's just like all these dudes are like, oh, no, I can't. And I'm like, God, all that male privilege and you can't even fucking watch a horror movie. God damn. <laughs> That's very funny. They're kind of walking around the neighborhood in D.C. And Reese is really pushing this idea of the Waterfords moving to D.C., which is nice, I guess. I do also <laughs> feel like nobody is like bringing up the fact that she burned her house down. <laughs> like, I really feel like people should be a little more concerned. Nah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, honestly, I would bet that the story that Fred told the Winslows is like, oh, oops we left a candle burning too long like because I, I think it's embarrassing to admit that she did that so i would oh say, my god i'd be so embarrassed if anybody <laughs> knew that i burned my own fucking house down but if i know anything about like wasps i feel like <laughs> n- nobody has been given the real reason yeah. that that happened gosh we really are missing the wasp perspective on this podcast <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I can't help you there. Um, so anyway, they're walking around the neighborhood. They find uh, the McAllister's house from Home Alone, and <laughs> they go inside it. Oh, God, it's too bad that mattress got ruined because Fuller slept on it so many times. <laughs> Poor Fuller. Um, anyway, so they go inside this house, which you can just pop into, I guess. I mean, my I have two assumptions, Mm -hmm. one being that, you know, they cleared this house and they just left it unlocked and Mm -hmm. B, like Reeser has a whole agenda. Like Reeser knew she called like the unrestored realtor and was like, hey, um, could you just like give me the keys? I'm just going to bring my friend by. Absolutely. Just watch out in the basement. There is a swinging paint can and some nails sticking out of the (laughs) stairs. So like just be super duper careful. So they go into this house. No, no, no. Leave all the detritus of the family who was there before. I think it's going to make a really big impact. Also, Serena Joy loves PlayStation. So if you can just like really feature. And hockey. You she know? loves two things. Gosh, she really got into it when she was in Canada. So they call this house an unrestored house. Which is terrifying. Yes, that is terrifying. They go into it and it's full on like if Miss Havisham played PlayStation. <laughs> Well, and did you happen to zoom in on the newspapers? Because no, I did not. No, I don't think you could have seen much. It was like the terror in Washington headline. Oh. I also like that they have like an empty, really recently used wine glass next to it. Like someone was like, <laughs> look, 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 get in the car, kids. We got to go. Oh, that's really interesting because in what I found to be the most terrifying exchange of this scene mm. is when Serena's like, who lived here? And then researcher says, I think they were Baptists. Yeah. The Baptists that I know are very anti-alcohol, but... Oh, interesting. Well, but also, like, why the fuck would Reeser know who lived there? Like, yeah. you know, clearly they've been, uh, uh, yeah. And... I mean, just, honestly, I think there's, like, a really wild swing that, I don't know, maybe one of her kids came from this house. 
It's entirely possible. <laughs> like I had, I hadn't not thought about. It. Oh, they have photos of them. Yeah, so I guess if one was, I mean, I didn't. If you look that think closely. I remember what those kids look like? <laughs> you got another thing coming, girl. No, and um, I did zoom in on the photo. So the I- other thing that's interesting is like I've kind of been assuming that Gilead is a bunch of Anabaptists, and they may oh, yeah, be, and they may not be. I mean, that. Anabaptist doesn't strictly mean only Baptists, but I've been assuming that they're like Southern Baptists. Yeah, it means like anorexic Baptists. <laughs> That's what that oh that means, God. right? No? <laughs> I'm familiar with the hip slang. So, yeah. So, I'm like, hmm. Like, where do the sons of Jacob come from? Mm, interesting. Um, are they... I mean, well, I would quiverful. assume... I would assume for a show that kind of skirts being super political, they are not based on any, like, actual, like, sect. I don't mean that they don't address political issues, but who are like, no. Henry steals for everyone. <laughs> No one will be offended by this. So they kind of go through this and Serena is struck by this family portrait, which as far as I can tell is two girls and a little boy. I think the I I was surprised because the boy looked like the youngest to me, but they still had a nursery. So either there was another kid that wasn't in the picture or I just couldn't see the picture super well. But they go into this nursery real quick. The dad looks straight up like Colin Mockery from (laughs) whose line is it anyway? (laughs) Wow, it's truly terrible all the improvisers that were affected by Gilead. <laughs> that is the tragedy. Alma among- had to drop out of UCB's <laughs> intro class. It was really hard to get a spot. I had to wait several sessions and then Gilead happened. <laughs> I wasted like $600. Um, so they go into this nursery. I, little lol, the baby's name is Phoebe. Is that a callback to when June watched all those Friends episodes in that warehouse? We don't know. God, I was reminded today of the whole like joke that like Monica used to be fat. And like when you look at how fat she was compared to how skinny she was in the show, I just feel so bad for her. She had to be hungry all the time. I know. I- like it's, she would have been hungry all the time being that thin like regardless but yeah. like especially like I'm like your calorie like your body needs so many more calories if yeah. like your set point weight was that high I just uh anyway it makes me sad it makes me sad too I I find friends super problematic and not I funny. never got into it and like I'm really glad that I never did because I feel like every week is like another thing he's like well it turns out friends was trash <laughs> I will say though 100% would have dated Chandler I'm very attracted to Chandler's in real life. Okay, 100% anyway. I am Chandler. There we go. That's why we work. <laughs> so anything, did you want to say anything else about the uh, going into the McAllister house? No, I mean, it's definitely triggering for Serena. She's clearly thinking about what she lost yeah. with no irony about <laughs> what she has done to yeah. many people. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe these people in particular. One thing I think is really kind of surprising is if the Winslows were, like, allocated children uh. based on their rank. And, I mean, Fred's been pretty up there mm-hmm. in Boston. I'm just, like, very surprised that they didn't also get an older child. Yeah, that is kind of surprising. Uh, I mean, I know there's not that many older children to go around, but, like, you know, there were enough. Yeah, I, I'm confused about that, too. The next scene is Fred and Maloney in what I'm sure is another Washington, D.C. building that is very recognizable, but we just don't know what it is. Yeah. They're chatting. And I thought the thing that they talked about in this that was very interesting was Maloney. I'm Forgive me. I don't remember his uh, commander name. George uh, okay. Winslow. 
Nah, I'm gonna forget it on purpose. <laughs> Just think about family matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, close your eyes and think of family matters. <laughs> no, <laughs> nope, don't wanna. He says that Hakol is good leverage for them, mm-hmm. and I, when he first said that, I paused it to like digest it, and I thought what he meant was that if the commander can successfully extradite nicole from canada the faster he can do it the better it is but what it actually means is if they win this case of getting hikol from canada and they take time to really do it right and really do it thoroughly it sets a precedent Mm -hmm. that they can get everyone back yeah and that's why he says like it's further than that because he brings up very explicitly that the Canadians are open to talking about a general extradition treaty. General extradition treaty meaning that they can bring back pretty much anybody they want. That's literally what I just said. No, it, you said if they get Hickhole back, it sets a precedent, which is different. Oh, so you... Okay. They're right. not even trying to get Hickhole back, is what Commander Winslow is saying. He's saying, yes, Nicole is a symbol for this. I gotcha. The longer she stays in Canada and the more they can sort of hype up this whole like wronged family narrative, Mm -hmm. the more pressure they can put on the Canadians to enact a general extradition treaty, which is extremely more helpful to Gilead than just getting this one baby back. Okay. But yeah, so that is chilling (laughs) that that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and that has huge repercussions for Moira, for Sh, for uh, <laughs> Emily, for, for like, Luke, for e- yeah, I guess I don't I don't see Luke being as valuable to them as anybody else. He is in their mind complicit in kidnapping Hickhole. Oh, they I could guess. extradite him, yeah. so that he has to face consequences for that. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So that's a scary thought. The next scene takes place in Chapinese, aka J Law's house. Guess who it is? Beth of the pesto. She make of the pesto. <laughs> I was so happy to see her back. I was like, oh, did we just keep her so she could have like a one off with Nick? <laughs> she had a very good zinger. I oh will god, say. she's so great. June asks her where the commander is, and she goes, I don't know. In commander places, doing commander things. I'm like, woo! I love her. Give her a sitcom. Like honestly, oh Beth, you're gonna make it. Like Beth is so smart. I love her. Anyway, Beth, will you marry me? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> June is really trying to ask Beth if she'll take her to the movies later. <laughs> and Beth is like, no, stop. Call you a chariot. You know I have my permit. God. <laughs> uh, she's really asking if she can get a buddy to go with her to go pick up. Not pick up, but like go see Hagnes, a.k.a. Holly. H- Hannah? Hannah her is her name. Hannah. Go see Hannah at her Hagnes. school. Hagnes. But yes. At her but school. But like, okay, so I was like, what? In Brookline. Too many kids. Too many names. Too many kids. God, what a dystopia. Um, And so, obviously, uh, Beth rebuffs her because she's not trying to get killed. Yeah. Beth is going to make it, June. <laughs> you may have said you intend to survive, but literally everything you have done suggests the contrary. <laughs> so, then, Grinch June comes out and she gets the idea to kind of ask... Miss uh, ask Bertha Rochester. So she brings her up her tray. 
Yeah, and she totally like muscles Beth out, like, and she's like manic at this point. Yeah, actually, she's not manic because we're gonna talk about bipolar in a Woo! minute. Anyway, but like, she is just like she has really got a bee in her bonnet mm-hmm. about this dumb plan that she wants to enact. It's just uh, it's such a sloppy plan, but again, I appreciate this because it means dumb book June is here to stay, baby. Rides again. <laughs> so she really, I think it's so funny the acting choice that Emos makes in this scene of like what June's cajoling voice sounds like. Uh-huh. And it's such so different, but it's a variation on the cajoling voice she uses on the cat, uh, the captain, the commander, uh, <laughs> because the commander voice she uses is like a little more sultry. And the one that she uses on Bertha Rochester is like a little like, Oh, this would be a fun idea, no? Um, also, I'm sorry. Now I'm stuck on ah, uh, Captain Joseph Lawrence. <laughs> I have to tell you. Let th- me tell you a tale from the ice road. <laughs> well, you really misread uh, what I was doing there. It was a, a slip because I was going to say Captain Von Trapp. Um, so Ooh, different kind of captain. Goodness. Well, that's Ooh. Captain Winslow is Captain Von Trapp. Oh, fuck. I want to fuck Captain Von Trapp. Wow. So hard. Wow. You don't? No, I mean, not Come really. On. Like, I mean, you said you wanted to date a single dad. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the better? Oh, come on. I just like I don't know. Like, oh, I for sure like, want to fuck uh, Captain Von Trapp. Look, honey, who's the other like male lead who oh, isn't Jesus Max? Like, look, I'm sorry, I'm a problem. I'm a problem child. Wait, are you saying you want to fuck Ralph? Yeah why he's hot no he's not oh he's a bad boy he's Lord. the baddest boy he's a nazi <laughs> and he's even bad at being a nazi he to be is honest. even bad at being a nazi anyway, Woo, anyway i'm not saying that like captain von trapp isn't a snack i'm just saying like when i first mm-hmm. watched that movie nope. i did not know what doing it was nope i would also i learned Liesl. honestly if i could have a threesome with liesel <laughs> and rolf Oh, man. R.I.P. Charming Car. You're the real one. (laughs) Anyway, here we go. So they get Bertha out of the house and they're walking out in the neighborhood and they run into Mrs. Putnam. And um, I got to say, Bertha has the best reaction to a baby (laughs) I've ever seen. She goes, hi, Button. I'm so glad you didn't die. I was so fucking uncomfortable in this scene. Mm. Oh, I hate, I just I was so angry at June like uh, I'm not saying Bertha shouldn't go outside more right I'm pro Bertha going outside uh-huh. more if that's what Bertha wants to do sure but like let's talk about consent here for a minute shall we like there is a difference between being systemically raped by the government but also <laughs> like you shouldn't trick severely mentally ill people into going places with you yeah like this is not a cute look june no it's truly not and it it backfires on her so they have this interaction with mrs putnam and then something in that interaction triggers june to come clean to bertha and be like hey i was trying to bamboozle you well i mean she says something about you know she wonders what she and j-law's children might have looked like i also noticed and i don't know why this struck me but um you can see and it may just be that this is the actress but bertha rochester has three ear piercings oh Um, interesting yeah and it just like well because it's like you know like they're very into art and that makes sense to me and I was surprised that she didn't say something about J-Law having an objection to them having kids 
because of like the state of the world. I was a little surprised by that because as well. he's totally that guy. Yeah, absolutely. And she reveals that she has bipolar, yeah. which I think is good on the one hand for representation. Yeah. It's bad on the other hand, because like, I feel like a lot of times people who don't have a lot of experience mm. with these conditions are like, let's make her bipolar. And it's like, like this isn't egregious, but it's like confusion isn't really like general confusion isn't really necessarily a symptom. It depends what her medication is. I w- I have been seeing a lot of commercials for Latuda when I'm watching Jane the Virgin, and so mm. I'm just like, "Get some Latuda, baby. You're gonna be fine." <laughs> well, she mentions medication, and that yeah made it I mean, hard it's just for them also, to like, conceive. I'm unclear on like what's the current state of the meds with her. Yeah, that'd be interesting to know because maybe that's why she's having such a hard time mm-hmm. is because they had to go cold turkey in Gilead. I mean, I don't think so. It like, wouldn't make sense. To they me seem either. like they're pretty down with most medicine. Um, they're they're the opposite of down with the sickness. They're down with the medicine. Ooh, ah, get the prescription you need. Oh my um, god! Oh, ah. It's so, so hard yeah. to do. It's so hard to but do. But then she kind of gets a second and turns into fun mom wife. Yeah. And is like, hey, you know what? You don't have to go to school today. Let's go to Claire's. Yeah. Did you know Claire's now has a kiosk in CVS? No. They do. What does that mean? It's like a little, it's just like a little like. Do they pierce ears? No. Oh. It's just like a little like display and it's like Claire's. And I'm like, okay, Claire's. All right. That's where I'll get all my hair accessories from (laughs) now on. So she says, I'm keen on a little adventure and they get going. And I love that. I love her little face at that point. I also love her little face as much as I hate June. (laughs) I love Bertha Rochester in this episode. (laughs) I really love Bertha Rochester in this episode too. And I hate that June gets kind of smug at the very end and is like, you should take her out sometimes it's like no no when she was like she did not come alive like you don't know she what she's like and it's just like you are such a fucking dick i know i agree that's not the takeaway from this june yeah so the next scene is in canada it's in a coffee shop <laughs> Also, hello, I just want to mention, it is fully freezing, raining, snowing outside, and both of them are drinking iced coffee. (laughs) Just very funny to me. Uh, As a very, like, anti-iced coffee person, Uh I was just appalled. So it's Moira and Emily drinking coffee and kind of first talking about frustration about sort of the diplomatic kerfuffle that's going on about Hikol and Gilead. And then have a great exchange about uh, what gay people they have in common, which turns out is none. Because, believe it or not, Emily was not a big party gal (laughs) back in the day. I'd be interested if if you... If y'all live in uh, Boston, if any of these clubs sounded like clubs that you know of, Club Cafe and Machine in Somerville, let us know if they're a hopping joint. So yeah, so we get really... Now listen, I don't know if I'm being weird in thinking this, but... um. Do you think they're trying to set up Moira slash Emily romantic relationship? I honestly don't know. I don't know either. Like, it could be possible. I'm always a big proponent of the, like, shared trauma being actually, like, a pretty good indicator of these things. Like, that's part of why I'm team PETA. <laughs> like, how are you yeah, going to totally. be... How are you going to be with somebody in the long term that has not been in the Hunger Games? Truly. If you have been in the Hunger Games. Truly. Like, oh, yeah, a normal person is just going to be like, oh, another PTSD flashback? I know. Like, okay, we were going to go to the beach, but... (laughs) Do I think Gail is cuter? Absolutely. But do I think Katniss should have ended up with Peter? Sure. Yeah. For sure. 
Anyway, um, um, I don't know. Like, I do think that the show does not actually care that much about <laughs> the romantic lives of Moira and Emily. That sounds like it's a dig, but it's like the concern of the show is not who are they fucking. Sure. The concern of the show is like, how are they healing from this? Which is good. And, and that I should be that scene basically up until I was reminded about Odette and that whole stupid fucking thing. Did they remind her of that? Yeah. Because when they're talking about who they used to fuck and then Emily's like, I met Syl and that was it. And then Moira's like, yeah, I know about that. Oh. And I was just like, fucking stupid fucking Odette. God damn That's it. That's funny. You robbed us of important character developments, Odette. <laughs> So then Moira gets a alert on her phone and she's like, oh, I got to go bird dog the Canadian Minister of Border S- Services. And hopefully she explained what bird dog meant. Because <laughs> I was like, is that a lesbian thing? Is that like cat dog? Because I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, that show's weird. Uh, question about cat dog. Where do they poop? Yeah, so many, so many questions about cat dog. <laughs> um, That's a whole separate podcast. <laughs> cat dog cast, uh, which we will not host cast ever. Cat dog. Oh, boy. Um, so it, what she explains it means like getting up in people's face and protesting right near them. And Emily kind of asks if she can come. I was so excited. I was like, yeah, get out there. Protest. I love it. The next scene is outside of the School of Domestic Arts in Brookline, where Hannah is being held. And they lead out. I think this is a very, it's such a good example of how things that are innocuous in regular life become scary in Gilead because it's pretty common here. I don't know if you live by a school or, or anything, but to see little kids being led around by like a hand-holding leash. Have you ever seen that? Before? I have not. And I was like, what the fuck is this? So a lot of times they have this like long piece of rope. Okay. With so they little, hold on to the rope. They hold on either to the plane rope or like little rings. And it's a good way if you have to lead kids like ducks okay. through the city I've seen this happen a lot. Okay, But cool. in Gilead, it looks very scary. It looks very scary. Uh, also scary is the just like crazy amount of armed guards and like sandbags. Your school didn't look like this? No. Well, I'm 10 years older than you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up post-Columbine. So. Yeah, I was going to say, they just let us shoot it out. No, no, no. Jeez. Um, so, okay. Here's my question, though, for Serena Joy. Mm-hmm. Did you not know about the fucking wall around the grounds? Because why on earth (laughs) would you be like, oh, yeah, just swing by? (laughs) Yeah, that is a weird thing. I don't. I feel like it was short-sighted on June's part, too, to be like, oh, yeah, for sure. They just have chain-link fences that you can pop by. Yeah, that is a silly idea. And that is heartbreaking, too. So Bertha tries to cause a distraction and get in to tour the school. I think it was weird that they are just like, okay, just leave your handmaid at the right? bike rack. And like, hey, like, you know, they have a little, like, parking pad in D.C. Like, maybe you want to do that. Also, this one's a known runner. Like, why right? would you like, leave right like, uh, So many, so many logistical holes. But also, I didn't think of this till just now, because they go and they ask for Guardian Parker. Mm. And he's not there, even though Kimberly said that he would be there. Oh, I is bet that he, what the I bet he was, was already picked up. I didn't. I totally didn't catch on. Yeah, that. Good eye. The thing I did notice is, so Bertha goes in and June starts casing the joint. And one thing I paused and looked closer at is there's signs posted all around the school. And so one sign, which I would bet is the sign saying what the establishment mm-hmm. is, is like a little picture of a little girl praying. <laughs> 
So I suppose that must be like the catch-all symbol oh, for like this man. school for domestic arts These that they have. fucking nerds. But then another one, which is, you know, maybe leads to sort of June getting caught, is another sign around one side has a picture of a, you know, looks like two little kids playing in like a yield triangle. But next to them is a picture of a surveillance camera. So just it's everything is being surveilled. I uh, Again, I mean... There's no way that mm. these guardians would have just let this random ass dizzy bitch just like, you know, feel her way around. Yeah. Ugh. And also, I hated these shots because I hate fingernail scraping on things. So this was very hard for me. <laughs> but like, I love Bertha Rochester's quick thinking. Like, you know, she drops Commander Lawrence's name. Mm-hmm. She says that she was promised a tour of the grounds. Mm-hmm. Like that all checks out. But then, okay, like, shouldn't they be, like, cuffing her to the (laughs) gate or something? Like, come on. Yeah, did you bring the bike lock for your handmaid? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, hold on. Yeah, I agree. So, oh, and she kind of has, as June is listening to the BB's play, she believe she can hear hannah i don't think that she does yeah like kids I don't are think loud as fuck if she does it's or not, not because i think like given what happens later in the episode this is the beginning of her like complete break yeah so she has like fleeting flashback to hannah laughing as a little baby and what a fun day on set that must have been to be like hey man we need some b-roll of this little girl chuckling can you make her laugh for yeah. like 20 minutes? Like, ah, dream. I think it's the same stuff they used in season one. I'm sure they, sh- but honestly, how <laughs> fun would that be? Cause they're all the flashbacks are at the beach. Like that must've been the most fun day to shoot. Cause it's like, Hey, go to the beach, have fun, make this baby laugh. Like that is all I ever want. That sounds like a horrible day. To- <laughs> <laughs> Every part of that. I'm like, ugh. and then uh, the, the scene, like am I going to the beach? Don't fucking film me. Oh my God. <laughs> And then the scene ends with another one of these eye shots where there is sort of things in the scene that look like an eye and an eyebrow or the top of an eye. So as they go up, they we see June on one side of the fence, the baby's on the other side, and there's a play structure that arcs a little bit, and then there's a circle there too. So it, it kind of makes that shape reminiscent of a couple episodes ago when we go up above the sort of handmaids praying. Just kind of interesting. I literally never pick up on these, so thank God for you. I'm always like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if that's intentional or if I'm just seeing eyes everywhere, but I, I, I thought that was an interesting inclusion. The next scene is they come to get her because <laughs> she's wandering around. And she like collapses and they're like, uh ma'am hey uh (laughs) listen can you not tell my supervisor that you were out here because like i'm already on probation yeah so they bring her back to bertha who i guess was denied a tour or maybe she She, was allowed in but she couldn't see the bb's yes and that makes complete fucking sense to me like even if she is commander lawrence's wife in this country where your most valuable resource is these precious children. Yeah. Yeah. Let this rando in on the playground. <laughs> um, and she's freaking out yeah. and it's so upsetting. And then like June like does a pretty decent job like telling the guardians to back off. It's really reminiscent of how she kind of handles Janine. Yeah. Oof. And I'm like, dad is going to be so mad. I was also worried about that. The thing that I found most compelling about this scene, though, is that June calls Bertha. She goes, Eleanor. She calls yeah. her by and her first Eleanor name. Eleanor calls her June. Mm-hmm. So I was like, but I was also like, Ixnay on the Earth's <laughs> name. 
Like, don't do it! Well, it's especially striking because the next scene that takes place in the Lawrence house, she says, I'm sorry, of Joseph. So it's yes. like a very quick, like, yeah. turn. But I think it's meant to be indicative of, like, her state of mind. Sure. But it, it's like, we always, I think, want to be paying attention to when people mm-hmm. call people their handmaid's names versus their real true names. Uh, Incidentally... <laughs> I'm sorry. This just made me think of Call Me By Your Name, which I never saw. But also Timothy Chalamet or whatever. He's in this new Little Women. And like all of the dudes in this new Little Women are fucking ugly. So I wonder if it's just we are older. (laughs) It may be. Because I am like, is like, why are young girls now attracted to fucking rats? Now, listen, I am well documented in my dislike for Timothy Chalamet. I know you are. That's why I bring it up. (laughs) Yeah. But I love Greta Gerwig and I love Emma Watson. So I'm still looking forward to this. I mean, also those sidebar, you couldn't trust any black little women. No. Any little women of color. Nope. Greta Gerwig. Why would you? Why would you do that? Is it like? Is it contemporary? It's not, but it's also a pretend story. Anyway, I don't know. Anyway, uh, anyway, uh, listen. uh, I'm gonna see it. I'm not gonna not see it. But uh, Timothy Chalamet is still gross. And uh, is he playing Laurie? Yes. How dare they? (laughs) How dare they? How dare? I also have to say I'm a little upset that Emma Watson has to play. Beth? Not Beth. She's playing Beth? Who's the, like, oldest sister? Oh, Meg. Meg. She's playing... Sorry. Wow. It's been too long. She's playing Meg, which I feel is like... Um, she makes, should be Joe. That makes sense to me because Emma Watson's a terrible actress. <gasps> wow. Terrible. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> so the next scene takes place in this very fancy restaurant, uh, which I is... I was so excited. <laughs> sadly for Shannon, not a Chili's. <laughs> they don't even have mac and cheese balls i hate it here um it, by the way uh, just a new listener shannon is this dumb character we created who was the one handmaid having a good time in in gilead she loves chilies all right you're caught up and she like because she had a bunch of gift cards for her birthday week it's a truly silly bit but uh, we might reference it so it's here you my go birthday week <laughs> it's about to be baby it's cancer oh, season listen i got excited for you oh my god also i was just super happy to shake the dust of gemini season from my feet <laughs> it was just rough it's never been this rough yeah well we're moving on anyway uh so they go into this restaurant and it's serena joy meeting um fred at a booth and she was at the gallery today? She was at Art I think Museum? it was the National Gallery. Okay. So I guess they kept a bunch of paintings. Well, they said they recovered them from the Art Institute. So they... Oh, so then what the... F- well... Well, when she's at the gallery, and she said it was fun to see them in such an intimate space, it wouldn't surprise me if some shitbag commander was like, this part of my house is the gallery now. Is there any... <laughs> is there any commander who's not a shitbag? No, truly not. Truly not. So she sits down at the table with him and they have this really nice exchange. And I gotta say, very problematic, but I enjoyed all of the Serena and Fred interactions this episode. I do also, though, feel like she has gotten over having her finger chopped off very quickly. Listen, she's crackers at this point. She is crackers. And I mean, my big takeaway from this scene is that she would look really cute with bangs. So (laughs) this this whole interaction is serving me real that episode of Mad Men where they go to Italy. Realness. Yeah. Which is honestly one of my favorite episodes because it's like people reconciling in a new way. But you know that there's something bad right around the corner. I mean, you know, you can't 
wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> like, you can't just change the external and expect it to change the internal. Absolutely. But I really liked their sort of almost like honeymoony interactions this episode. It really was. And I mean, it kind of is for them. I mean, you know that time in your life when your <laughs> wife burns down your house and you got to reconnect as a couple, you know. And uh, your baby's been kidnapped and yep. your baby's in Canada and it's the, uh, it's the linchpin of a general, uh, you know, extradition treaty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mutilate your wife a little bit and, uh, <laughs> you know, she's mad because women be mad when you be cutting off their fingies. Imagine me and you. <laughs> I do. Anyway, love you, Brucey. Any hoozle. So they're at this table and they're talking about, they kind of reminisce about, you know, those crazy times pre Gilead when they used to ditch things to hang out. Yeah, like which her nice. cousin's baby shower, which, like, if you were having trouble conceiving, <laughs> I'd be like, deuces, Pamela. But also, like, that was probably the first baby shower she had to attend in like seven years. So it is very rude that they missed it. If I was Pamela, I would be pissed. Um, I hope they sent a diaper genie or something because that is very rude. <laughs> so they're really connecting. And let's, you know what? We've been waiting for it. You had to get a snack so you'd be ready to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about restaurants in Gilead. Okay, first, I want to ding Fred for a truly atrocious line about... Because I think, wasn't he supposed to go like on a a fishing trip in Michigan? And then, you know, he's like, oh, you know, definitely preferable to like killing creatures. And then he's like, speaking of creatures and like pulls up the menu. And I'm like, can you just not? (laughs) We know that meat used to be alive. Shut up. Don't make me feel guilty for ordering the crustacean tower. Okay. So it's a restaurant. Yep. That men and women can go to together. Yep. There's not a ton of, you know, mixed gender spaces in Gilead, I feel like. That's an excellent, excellent point. There's not. But I also wonder, and some of this comes from what we see in the scene later when they're at this big fancy commander and wife prom. reception. Mm-hmm. Prom. <laughs> it's my only fancy event I've ever been to, so I'm pretty um, sure that's the only one there is. Anyway, but I get the sense that even though they're stricter in Gilead on quote unquote, the help, there seem to be some possibly less stringent mores with the commanders and their wives. We'll get to that when we get there, yeah. but it's just like, there's a much more cosmopolitan feel to DC to DC, mm-hmm. which I, I think is hilarious. Well, <laughs> certainly if there's like museums you can go to quote unquote museum, mm-hmm. it's like somebody's back room, but there's museums you can go to. There are these, you know, both gender places you can mm-hmm. be. I think that's fascinating. And I don't, I think and that's there may interesting. Well be those spaces in Boston. It's just like, Oh, you know, we live here, so we think we can do it anytime. And then- LOL. It's cheers. <laughs> Carla doesn't work there anymore. Well, and I mean, though, you know, if they have kind of like gone out of their way to destroy emblems of America, like what is there to do in Boston? Totally. Because Boston is just like a monument to, you know, freedom fighters, too. Yeah. Wow. Um, Dude-ish. I don't know. I thought I would have a really good time doing the tourist thing in Boston, but Everywhere you go, it's like, blah, blah, blah. And they're slaves. Oh. And I'm like, oh, right. 
LOL, LOL, freedom ain't free. Bye. Yeah. And also follow up complaint about Boston. My mom bought me a cheer shirt that's really ugly. And I don't know why she thinks I would want this super ugly cheer shirt just because I love cheers. Also, side gripe. Why is there no Lilith merch? There should be only Lilith from cheers merch. Anyway. So, but was my- not expecting this. <laughs> this was surprising to me. She's my favorite character at Cheers. My second is Cliff. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so, my other question re the service industry is like, is there only very fancy restaurants left? Like, what about the commander? I mean, and I promise I'm not doing this as a bit, but like, what about like fast food? Yeah, dude. Is it like, you know, Burger Commander now? Or yeah. what well, just seems what would be odd. like a biblical <laughs> name? I mean, Chick fil A. Well, in and out have probably survived. Or the one in Dogma, which is like Golden Calves. Yes! <laughs> oh my god, movie! But it, do- <laughs> it just does strike me as weird that there would only be these like really high end places because even though everybody has their like slave basically martha's are slaves they have like live and help it just does seem like you would want to go out but then i'm just like who the fuck is working these places like Mm -hmm. it 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 brings up more questions than it answers agreed so anyway i guess we would love to see gilead kitchen confidential oh my god give me that give it to me uh, or like Gilead chopped where they're like, you have four tokens. Okay, so actually, <laughs> let's extrapolate this because we know, well, but also Jezebel's is unsanctioned. That's another thing. Because I was going to say, because we know that Martha's are cooking at Jezebel's, but are they cooking for the guests or are they only cooking for the workers? But like, come on, you know, like some commander is doing some weird ass role play and then like, <laughs> then he was like, I would really like a cheeseburger. Oh my God. If you can't get cheeseburgers at Jezebel's, where can you? Um, yeah, it is very odd to me. Burger Commander. (laughs) I would love to know. This is so dumb, like world building. I'd like to know, but I just want to know what the deal is with the service industry. All right. We've talked about that a lot. The next (laughs) scene is, oh, I guess we must have missed over. Oh, oh, this is, this is worth talking about before we leave the restaurant is, uh, so they're kind of talking about the extradition of Hickole and yes, Serena Joyce says, Oh, wow. I'm so surprised to hear you say that you think you'll get her soon because I thought it would be more politically expedient to leave her there. And he goes, no, of course not. And then Ron Howard comes in and he's like, it was more politically expedient <laughs> to leave her there. So he's like lying. He's straight oh, lying God. to her face. I mean, you know. I know not surprising. Yeah. But. And, you know, but again, this is him setting himself up to be this white knight and the be like dick is everybody wants me to not get your baby back but i'm gonna get your baby back baby back baby back baby <laughs> back baby back baby back creatures <laughs> <laughs> where is chilies um so the next scene i think we missed or i didn't write a note about when they mob the canadian border minister i do think we missed that because i'm pretty sure that is where my note ooh, baby jessica came in <laughs> Because they're, you know, in Canada, they are setting up baby Nicole. Mm-hmm. You know, she's leveraged for Canada as mm-hmm. well. But, you know, again, my question remains, what is it that Gilead has yeah. that other countries who aren't willing to commit human rights violations want? I agree. So baby Nicole has become this symbol and they are bird dogging this <laughs> minister who stops and engages with them, which I'm yeah. like, this is like 
being a political asshole 101 no comment dipshit well they're canadian they're just very polite (laughs) (laughs) anyway so emily is there and she gets upset and she starts being like june gave baby nicole to me and i'm like and it's great but i'm also like shouldn't you all have like a handler for this like it seems real dumb like given that this is like big news apparently and everybody gives a fuck about baby nicole like this should be a little bit more strategic yeah and like shouldn't she like be on the news and shit i agree i totally agree i think she should definitely have a a liaison that is like spinning this story yeah and like also um i don't know like shouldn't you try to not get arrested if you're a refugee in a country like maybe that's just trying to prove that she was fun and (laughs) (laughs) either way it lands them back in jail and i'm getting major pussy vibes from moira in jail uh (laughs) r.i.p pussy justice for pussy anytime that moira gets to be happy i think it's just pussy (laughs) they're in jail and canadian jail is so lax that they just have a starbucks and are handing out hot coffee to inmates (laughs) cool um the poutine truck is coming in a second um Moira and Emily have this heart to heart. The sinks are just maple syrup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moira and Emily have this heart to heart, and Emily admits that she killed Marissa Tomei in the colonies. Which I legit had forgotten about. <laughs> like, I mean, I did and I didn't. But it is so striking, just like seeing Emily out of Gilead. She is so different. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know that I can put my finger on why she's so different, but like she has lost that like different drive outfit. that she, huh? Different outfit. <laughs> if you're interested in co-hosting this podcast with me, uh, please email. <laughs> I'm kidding. We don't have an email. <laughs> we do not. Oh, God. Um, I agree with you. There's kidding. a shift. I don't want anybody but Molly to co-host this podcast. Quit Thank sending you. me emails. Thank you. You're, there is a big shift. And I think you are so spot on when you talk about Moira and her have a unique simpatico. Um, and Moira even admits that she killed a commander, I assume, on her way out of Jezebel's. I think that is the implication. And I don't remember if we saw this explicitly or not but it was interesting to be reminded yeah i think because i feel like we saw her leaving the room i don't know that we saw her like wanging that guy on the head (laughs) well i'm glad she did and i think that this shot that this scene ends on with moira and emily back to back in different jail cells is very reminiscent of moira and jean (gasps) on different sides of the bathroom at the red center Who do you want to co-host this podcast now, baby? (laughs) So there's an interesting reminder shot of sort of friendship in harried places. The next scene is the commander and SJ walking into prom. Uh, This, by the way, if you saw that video I posted about two weeks now, uh, this is where they shot that Taylor Swift musical music video that all the cast participated in what oh they they do i don't think i watched the whole video so it's very good okay <laughs> and i gotta say my absolute favorite way to end anything is with everybody dancing together that's why i love what is it something about mary i don't like that movie at all but i oh love God, that i end. love that movie i just watched it too late i think uh um, yeah i watched it like primo high school years yeah, and yeah, got in yeah. trouble from my parents because i returned it late to blockbuster and they were like you're not supposed to watch this and i was like uh Too late. i'm ruined you know how'd you get the frank below the beans like- <laughs> <laughs> if you missed it uh the entire cast of handmaid's tale did a like 
very well choreographed dance number to Taylor Swift's song, Me. And it was filmed during this scene, which I think is just fantastic. Anyway, so the commanders steal each other and go hang out on their side of the room. Reeser comes and gets SJ and they hang out well, with the ladies. Well, actually, she does not come get her. Commander Winslow says to Fred, I have some skeptics <laughs> I want you to convince, oh, okay. which I enjoy. Like, just like, you know, this is still like statecraft and they're doing their jobs and whatnot. And he indicates to Serena Joy that she should go <laughs> over there. Kids table. So she walks in and then like research comes to her there, okay. but it's not like she like meets her. And then okay. she takes her over to um, the mean girls of DC. <laughs> and it just reminded me of that episode of the Simpsons where they join the country club. <laughs> and she's like, Serena Joy, I'd like you to meet Robert Ta, Patricia, Elizabeth, and Susan. <laughs> it was serving that. It I, was very much that. I love this conversation with the wives about the the man is the head and the woman <laughs> is the neck, blah, blah, blah. I think it was interesting that they mentioned that the, <laughs> I love horny wife. <laughs> horny wife? I was like, horny wife? I don't know how they do things in D.C. <laughs> Put it away. Put it in your pants. Because I think they were talking about the men peacocking and taking credit for the mm-hmm. women's ideas. And then horny wife looks at a passing commander question mark guardian question mark i think it was a guardian okay and she goes good thing we have our own peacocks <laughs> and like it was super Wait. weird because i felt like it was kind of a 180 because like serena made a joke uh-huh. and like everybody like hesitated before they laughed and they're like we have fun you're fun because i was like oh no is she like is she too racy for dc but then the one who i felt like had the most resistance to her like humor was the one who was like i like to fuck the guardians uh yeah so shout out to horny wife you the real one um my next note is i need opera length gloves and i need them now they look gorgeous i gotta commend the costume designer whose name i know Natalie Brontman for the just sheer variation of wife dresses in here and the wife boots are gorgeous I love the wife uh. boots I also want to shout out Bertha Rochester's sensible wife flats yeah that I think have we seen that already I'm not sure I can't remember because I don't know that we already talked about the scene where June gets Bertha Rochester home but yes, we see we see Fun Dad taking off her sensible wife flats. Yeah. And I thought that was a really great costuming choice. So then Serena Joy and Fred do oh they recreate the dance scene from Adam's Family Values. And Do you know what my note was? <laughs> what? You're no Gomez and Morticia Waterford. Shut <laughs> up, you didn't. Of course it was. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Great One of the greatest minds. movies of all time. Uh, that is so funny. We both thought the same Starring thing. Starring my baby crush, David Crumholtz. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Right? And that was age appropriate at the time. Okay, everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. David Crumholtz and I are like the same age. I really liked this dance scene a I did lot. too. But I was also like, okay, like, does nobody else here know how to dance? <laughs> like, why? No. Honey, don't you know it's dance rules when a couple starts to dance flamboyantly, <laughs> you let them do it. You have to. I'm surprised they weren't all around going, oh, <laughs> and break dance commanders in the back going i thought it was my turn <laughs> patricia you said i was gonna get a turn 
<laughs> All right. And what you don't hear is the DJ in the background like, that's great. Give it up for the Waterfords. Who wants to do the cha-cha slide? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like wife Liza Minnelli being like, life is a all right we Uh, did it we got all the dance tropes then she's summarily executed (laughs) oh no oh oh no (laughs) poor of liza that's right she's of of herself of david (laughs) no no. i haven't thought about that dude Uh, yeah 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 (sighs) anyway i really liked this dance sequence i thought it was dope i love their dancing i loved everybody looking at them i think it's really good because it establishes them as such this like it couple and when they're on the same page there is destruction no look within the world of the show i'm totally with serena joy's mom where it's like what the fuck else are you gonna do yeah like you spent your life on your personal brand yeah and he is a big part of your personal brand yeah it is just like in the movie Girls Trip. <laughs> yes, it is just like the movie Girls Trip. Said no one about The Handmaid's Tale ever, but I know exactly when what Regina you mean. Hall has to be like, hey, Luke Cage, uh, you know what? You're not worth it uh, because Queen Latifah did not sell me out. Mm, anyway. Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so that was great. The next scene is, oh no, the hanging wall again. And it is worth mentioning that in the exchange with Kimberly back at Lowe's and Fishes, were we ever so young? <laughs> um, you mean like seven hours of this podcast? Basically, <laughs> Kimberly expressed reservations about like getting involved in another one of Jane's. Jane. Getting, shh, I've been watching a lot of Jane the Virgin. And listening to Janelle Monet's dirty computer. Okay, I got uh, Jane on the brain. Uh, anyway, but she tells June, like, hey, I don't really want to get in on one of these harebrained schemes. And June's like, I've been to four hangings this week. Do you think it's going to get better? And I'm like, I don't know where that logic tracks to. Because it's like, what was she going to like? It's pretty clear that it wasn't like she was going there to like break her out. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, she's not um, unaware <laughs> And it's, again, it's not like they haven't been hanging handmaids. And and honestly, if I was Kimberly, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not trying to be the fifth hanged person this week. It's like, oops. Uh, Anyway, bad news, Kimberly. She was the fifth hanged person this week. (laughs) No. Um, So anyway, they got there with the red rope again. And Aunt Lydia. Okay, so this is weird. So Aunt Lydia is like going on and on about this Martha mm-hmm. who endangered the life of a sacred child. No sin is more vile. And I'm like, I feel like you say that every time they have to kill somebody. And yet June is alive and, and walking. Yet June this is alive and she's endangered a lot of sacred. <laughs> Come children. on. And then like, she only tells them what the Martha did. There's like hella other people up there <laughs> and they're all like, Oh man. I didn't even get a shout out. I was really looking forward to like hearing what Aunt Lydia had to say about my crimes. Um, And it's worth mentioning that Alma says, I believe the Mackenzies are gone. Yeah. Well, and I think she says, what did you do? The Mackenzies are gone. Also, props to Alma on being like the best connected, like low key fucking handmaid. Cause she's like, even my commander doesn't know where they went. And I'm like, Honestly. that girl like is running Gilead from the inside. She's truly running. Game I would honestly much rather that this show was about her at this point. <laughs> Come on, give Alma her own episode. So, um, as soon as we see Kimberly up there, we're like, Oh crap. 
And June tries to not participate. And I'm like, bitch, what do you think the first part of participation stands for? (laughs) This is a team effort. It's so obvious when you're not helping. (laughs) It's like if you were on a a two-person bicycle and you just like let your feet up. That is not how it works. And I just wrote sincerely. I was like, how many people have to die for you, June? Jesus, like cut it out. And I was so angry at her for like acting like she could fucking opt out of shit. Granted, I thought like Emos incandescent with rage in this scene oh, is the most attracted I've ever been to her. <laughs> I was very into it. Her skin was luminous. Her skin looks so nice. Everybody, I have to say, you know for what? a fucking like dystopia, everyone's skin looks great. It's because Beth gave her that butter. <laughs> <laughs> they go, th- and, oh God, and Kimberly is so upset. I mean, no shit. <laughs> big props to the woman who's playing Kimberly because her face acting mm. is stunning. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's so great. I'm so impressed by how many people in this show are so expressive from the nose up because yeah. there's so much covering of your mouth yeah. and they do just great eye acting. Yeah. In direct contrast to the first scene that we saw, June does not book it out of there. June lingers for dumb reasons. I'm like, yes, June, absolutely draw more attention to yourself. Please. Good job, June. So then when she finally does decide to leave, she like storms off and is shoving the other handmaids. And I'm like, hey, they all have PTSD. Yeah. Don't fucking touch them. No touching. (laughs) And Carol sidles up to her and says like, well, aren't you glad now you're removed from temptation? And honestly, I'm team Carol, okay? Carol is trying to do what Carol needs to do so Carol survives. And we learn now that Aunt Lydia actually actively told Carol, hey, watch out for June. Of course she did, because (laughs) unlike literally everybody else in Gilead, she knows she's a runner. Oh, my gosh. Good Lord. And oh my god. Uh, I know, I'm so frustrated. Well, and again, it's like why would you have a whole conversation with a Martha in which you don't actually get any new information? You don't. Like in much the same way that three horns don't talk to long necks. <laughs> handmaids don't talk to Martha's. Yeah. And she truly didn't get anything new out of this interaction. No. And like again, that just makes it all the more egregious that Kimberly had to die. Yeah, I agree. Like again, they could have killed Kimberly for any of the other bullshit that they seriously because we know that mrs mckenzie knew about the stunt at the summer house this is truly kimberly's three strikes you're out because yeah she she took her to the summer house a she let june into their house mm-hmm. b and this is like the last straw and you know what listen i don't side with oppressors but if i were the mckenzie's and my kid kept getting kidnapped especially in a time when kids are getting kidnapped and taken over the border if my nanny let's say my nanny kept doing this shit i feel like you were gone there's no way it's insane because you know the fertility crisis have made like every wife in gilead the worst helicopter mother yeah and wasps have fired help for less yes anyway (laughs) so then june does the gilead equivalent of taking off your earrings because she takes off her big ass hat and runs at carol and she's like i don't were they like on a bridge or something she's like holding her over this like overpass choking her yeah and finally people come and pull her off Mm -hmm. to the dulcet strains of one fiona apple oh no yes so finally 
B Mills answers our call and has a woman artist and I would say era appropriate. Yeah, era appropriate. And so this is the song Every Single Night by one Fiona Apple. So this has some pretty interesting lyrics in it. It's part of it goes, these ideas of mine percolate in my mind, trickle down the spine, swarm the belly, swelling to a blaze. So that's kind of interesting. Sort of it fits with June's sort of boiling schemingness inside uh, another set of lyrics from this that i th- find interesting is what did i say to her what does she think of me that i'm not what i ought to be that i'm not what i try to be it's got to be someone else's fault i can't get caught Fuck! Yeah. so very appropriate so i think it's interesting you know we're seeing june in I think the midst of like a mental breakdown. Interesting. Important to contrast this. This is a situational mental health crisis versus Bertha Rochester's like chronic lifelong struggle with bipolar. Right. Yeah. But I mean, June is such a liability for everyone at this point. Uh Like who is she helping? I know. I I just like, I don't see what's going to happen with her. Like Like, it is so, I know this is not going to happen. It would be so dope. If they just straight up killed her. I also want that to happen. Everybody else just goes on. Like, come on. Like, that would be even doper than the Red Wedding. Yeah, I agree. Like, like it is so unexpected. Well, and and then you can let Emos produce because I think she's more interested in being the EP. Yeah, because it's like, I feel like we just keep hitting the same notes. I want, I truly want this to be the last season. I'm over the show. I think it is. I really like this episode. I think they're beautifully shot. I think they're beautifully acted. I think they're just out of rope. Like, honestly. And you know, the other thing that would have been cool, because I am loving everything that's going on in D.C., like getting her away from the Waterford sooner would have gone such a long way. I agree. Like, it is so much more interesting. Like, if her whole thing is like giving the finger to Gilead. <laughs> she doesn't need to be with the Waterfords for the Waterfords to continue to be evil. I agree. Um, I so agree. So anyway, um, like for me, like best case scenario, honestly, uh, like let's like ditch June and make Carol and Alma, like the <laughs> number one, like characters that we're spending time or with. Emily. Yeah. Like <sighs> there's so many options. There's so many options. <laughs> well, we appreciate you listening and we'll be back next week. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Take care of your girlfriends. And no lite, teba stardes, carbrandorum. Dum, 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 d